And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney and a partner in the law firm of Mauk and Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to maukbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call 312-726-1243. Are you aware of the recent and pending abortion litigation that's going on all over this country? Are you alarmed about it as I am? Well, today we have speaking with us Peter Breen, Vice President and Senior Counsel of the Thomas More Society an organization that defends the First Amendment rights of churches, organizations, and individuals, including and perhaps especially the unborn. Uh, Peter Breen is also a former state representative of the 48th District of Illinois that was my district um, and recently concluded his two terms with 32 bills passed into law more than any other second-term legislator. As Peter puts it, he is now in retirement, at least for the time being. Peter, welcome to our show. Hey, thank you, Rich. Uh, Peter, we have so much to cover today. Um, let's just start with, tell us a little bit about Thomas More, what you're doing with them, and, and what it's doing. Well, and, and, and the Thomas More Society was founded about 20 years ago as part of the defense of Joe Scheidler and the Pro-Life Action League. They'd been sued by the, uh, the, the abortion industry to try to shut down sidewalk counseling across the country. So, uh, you know, as, as that whole uh, case was moving through the system... We needed to form an organization, so Tom Brecca, our founder, did so. Uh, lately, you know, we we we've always had as our bread and butter the base is defending uh, the innocent. Well, the let me take innocent. you back for a second because yeah. I know Tom and love him dearly as you do. Um, what was the penalty they were going after uh, Joe Scheidler for? It was not just uh, playing uh, dice on the on the floor or something like that. Right. Well, they they were trying to get a nationwide injunction. What they wanted to do was treat. Uh, pro-life sidewalk activism as if it were the Klan. So they wanted to get injunctions or against our mafia. folks. Well, but, they're using the racketeering that's laws, exactly right. mafia laws, um, which were actually, you know, it was written by one of my law professors at Notre Dame. It was kind of funny. And he would always rail about how it was being misused uh, in this context and others. Uh, but, you know, they wanted to shut down all forms of uh, peaceful picketing, uh, sidewalk counseling, so that's where you're offering assistance to uh, the young moms going into the clinic. Wanted to shut it all down using federal injunctions and then bankrupt everyone. Uh, so, you know, multi-million dollar judgments. You know, Joe and Ann Scheidler, our clients, actually had to post their house as bond, their actual home on the north side of Chicago as bond so that we could appeal. Without that bond, we couldn't have even taken the appeal because it was a money a money damages judgment against them. And so that appeal, it actually went up to the Supreme Court. It was reversed came back down. Uh, they found against him again, if I remember. It went up a second time to the Supreme Court. Right. Well, it was three. It's it's the only case we found in American history that went up to the, the U.S. Supreme Court for three full dress appeals. So it wasn't like a summary disposition. We, we were up there arguing the whole nine yards. We actually lost the first appeal. Uh, we had won in the trial court. Uh, they were able to get oh, the charges thrown out. Right, yeah, right. we actually had won right, in the right. early days. Uh, and then it made it all the way up, and they actually reversed us 
uh, and the reversal was unanimous. Uh, and so we got just whacked. Uh, and then we got sent back. Then we've got to litigate the case. Uh, and, and so then the second time through, uh, you know, we lost to the trial court the second time, lost in the appellate court, and then won uh, a significant victory the second time in 2003. Yeah, as you point out, we got sent back down, but the Seventh Circuit, instead of throwing the case out, they actually, through uh, uh, Judge Diane Wood was the uh, the chief judge on that case, I was very, uh, very much uh, in favor of the abortion movement, apparently, you know, very tightly connected there. Uh, actually, the way it's been referred to was the Seventh Circuit tried to overrule the Supreme Court. Um, yeah. I think with some of Posner's recent writings, Judge Posner, that is not quite surprising. Well, it, yeah, you kind of look at Posner and you're sitting there going, well, okay, that's what you guys were talking about in chambers apparently. So, But fortunately, uh, it went back up again in 2006. We got a unanimous decision uh, that, uh, that at least concluded the, the uh, liability part of the case. It took us another eight years to get the costs back, but we did. Yes, and, and uh, I, I would mention, and we're going to have to move on, Tom Brecka paid a great price to continue to litigate that. Uh, he lost his position with a large law firm that he was working with and uh, considerable uh, nights without any pay or anything like that and, and just fighting on, just a, a real hero of mine. So Right. I mean, you know, imagine you're in, a, you're in a good sized law firm and they say, quit the case or quit the firm. And he uh, said, well, I, I can't quit this case, can't quit this client. And so he, you know, he, had, he had 25 years of business litigation experience. He had been up to the U.S. Supreme Court as a business litigator on antitrust issues, not in any way dealing with pro-life. And so very accomplished and you know, had to put that aside. And I mean, imagine setting up uh, you know, on a card table in a drafty office. I think it was somewhere on Dearborn. Uh, somebody give them a little office space to uh, to start up with, and that that kind of became that became our our, our little uh, our little peanut stand. Well, uh, I think more rem- uh, think about his wife because that's a pretty scary yeah. adventure for any family. Mrs. So, Brecca was not happy with that. I, I, I bet she was not. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker with the law firm of Mauk and Baker. If you missed part of the episode or want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit MaukBaker.com. You can also subscribe. Uh, to our podcast or to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. As mentioned today, we are speaking with Peter Breen really about abortion. Peter, uh, you've been very, very active in the pro-life movement. You've been a litigator with regard to that. Your uh, work with Thomas More Society has to do with abortion uh, oftentimes. Tell us a little bit about the landscape for abortion rights and what's happening in Illinois and around the country. Well, it is uh, – in terms of the pro-life movement, we are as strong as we've ever been, uh, but we also face threats that are greater than we've ever faced. Uh, so right now, I mean, we're, we are as close I, – I, I think – and, you know, this is kind of a – you know. There's a there's a difference of opinion on this. I think we've got five votes at the Supreme Court to reverse Roe v. Wade, but now, for our listeners, though, reversal of Roe v. Wade does not mean the end of abortion. No, no, it just means that the matter is put back to the states. So in the blue states uh, that are, well, you know, we call them traditionally blue states, abortion continues unabated. Uh, there are some states like uh, in Iowa that has a heartbeat bill that they, you know they became law. Now they've they've we've, we've run aground in the courts there, but there are plenty of states that may uh, put much more significant restrictions on abortion. But in Illinois uh, and in some of these other states, like you've seen this in New York, Rhode Island, New Mexico, uh, there is this movement to radicalize our abortion law. And so in Illinois, you've got, uh, or in New York 
caused a national firestorm because the you know it really essentially legalized third trimester abortions. Uh, the thing is, in Illinois, we've got a bill that is actually on its face worse than the New York law that recently went into effect. Well, you know, Virginia was also a, a, but, a big discussion on Virginia as well. Yeah, but I, I, well, Virginia, the bill was proposed and filed. It was debated, but it was not going to pass. They have a mixed legislature there and a, a much more pro-life outlook. Now, the thing in Virginia, though, was the governor, right. who is a doctor, a medical doctor, was sitting there talking about a third trimester abortion, which was ludicrous. Well, it was actually infanticide. You set the baby aside, even though the baby's living. Right. And, and then you make a determination. Well, and I, I know, you know, his his quoted line. I, here's the thing. Whatever he said or didn't say, and I know he's he's said, well, I didn't really actually mean that. But if, if you even take what he says he meant, he was talking about third trimester abortions. Uh, late, late, I mean, fully formed babies, uh, it just, it was just disgusting. So in Illinois, our current law really restricts uh, third trimester, the post-viability abortions. The the bill that is pending in front of the House, uh, which, which has the support of the governor and now has 41 co-sponsors, and you only need 60 to pass the bill. So it's got 41 co-sponsors right now. That bill would wipe away all restrictions on post-viability abortions and actually wipe away all restrictions on abortion at all. Uh, and you know, whether it's parental notice, whether it's licensing of abortion clinics or, or regulating in any way late-term abortion facilities, uh, you've got conscience protections for doctors and nurses wiped away. We would essentially become, if we were to enact that bill into law, we would become the abortion destination for the middle of the country. And when I say middle of the country, I mean everything from Texas to, uh, you know, to Minnesota. Women, uh, uh, young women would be pouring into our state uh, to get underage secret abortions. You would have late term abortions uh, in places where it's legal like this. You have folks, you'd be setting up shop right next to O'Hare Airport. They would fly them in put them up for a couple of nights. It's a multi-day procedure and then send them home. Uh, we would be truly the abortion destination of the country were we to enact this bill into law. You say were we. Um, the Democrats currently have the governorship and a very radical governor. They have both houses and it's a pretty radical democratic uh, majority that we have. So when I hear that, I think it's likely that this is coming to Illinois. Am I right about that? Well, so here's the thing. I looked at the list of co-sponsors, and on that list are people that I know are people of good faith who go to church every Sunday. So list, they are co-sponsors of this bill that would literally allow abortion as the child is being delivered. As the child is being delivered, you could rip their arms off. I, mean, I, I, I don't mean to be overly graphic. It just was. Um, but so if you just go by the, the co-sponsor list— that bill is passing, and not just passing with the 60 votes necessary, but passing with a broad majority. So the people, I say that not to depress you, but to say your work is cut out for you. Pro-life movement here in Illinois, people of faith here in Illinois, people people just of basic human decency here in Illinois. You've got to work on your legislators in a way that you've never worked on them before. Uh, and that's something I think folks, maybe they they need to hear about. Coming up, we will be talking further with Peter Breen about the legal battles of one pro-life activist against Planned Parenthood and maybe more also about what's going on in Illinois. I'm Rich Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney with a firm of Malk and Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals in their legal needs. If you missed the first part of the show and want to listen online, go to malkbaker.com forward slash radio. In the first section, we were talking specifically about Illinois and this horrendous abortion bill that has been introduced. Uh, Peter, but I want to go on to the national level. Um, Thomas More Society is involved in a lawsuit uh, that's pretty, pretty significant. Um, give us a little background, your involvement, and what's going on. Well, and, and we are defending David Delighton, who came out with those graphic, terrible videos in 2015. Well, let's go into that. For anybody who's not familiar with those, tell me about them. And what happened with those videos? Well, and, and David went undercover for 30 months. So imagine he's a 23-year-old uh, when, he, when he conceived this. He conceived an undercover project, hired people, put the whole thing together, and went undercover to uh, really investigate the abortion industry's practices around fetal tissue trafficking and sale. Uh, so that is, uh, you know, it's fetal organs, fetal, you know, all the, the parts of the aborted children, uh, the harvesting, the sale of them. And so uh, he began that project, was uh, was wildly successful. But really, I mean, his friends and family, for the most part, didn't hear from him for about 30 months. He was so deep undercover. And so he went to conferences. He took videos, all of that. And so then once uh, he was complete, he was finished, you know, and he, he was, you know, working with a variety of people uh, in the pro-life movement, he then uh, put out his videos, you know, started with the, uh, uh, with, with, you know, some blockbusters that just gripped the country. Uh, they became the topic of the uh, both Republican and Democratic presidential campaigns. Uh, the United States Congress, actually, they nearly shut down the government over Planned Parenthood funding. Uh, in the wake of seeing these videos, and the the only way through it was for uh, the Speaker of the House at the time, it was, it was John Boehner switching over to Paul Ryan, and uh, they started a select investigative panel. You know what they did with Watergate, and began a year long investigation, which concluded with a uh, numerous dozens of criminal referrals of various Planned Parenthood affiliates and and others and tissue procurement businesses. Uh, so they showed widespread lawbreaking. And uh, well, well, let me ask you, know, you a question, and this is my question. I don't know the answer to it. Has there been any consequences to Planned Parenthood in terms of criminal prosecution or otherwise as a result? Well, it, in terms of Planned Parenthood, we, it's been confirmed that the FBI is investigating them. Uh, you know, we don't obviously know the 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 uh, you know it's it's not like the special counsel's investigation where there are leaks and and this that and the other uh, you know every every couple of weeks, but uh, we know that that is occurring. The one of the tissue procurement businesses in California, Da Vinci Biologics. Uh, you know, they took the name Da Vinci for their their title. Uh, they were actually put out of business by the Orange County District Attorney, seven point eight million dollars settlement. Uh, they were you know, thrown out of California. So th there has been some legal action, uh, but it's not certainly been it's certainly not been enough. But I, I will say, recently, the state of Texas barred Planned Parenthood from Medicaid on the basis of the videos, and then the fact that the videos showed a lot of unethical conduct, not even just the illegal, but the unethical conduct. So manipulating a medical procedure in order to, pro to procure better fetal specimens, uh, that that's not right. Uh, that's illegal, unethical. You know, uh, we've got the risk of partial birth abortion. So they were talking about getting, on the videos, they talk about getting intact specimens that means whole babies, and there's really no and way to cutting do that. up after they're born, right? And, and so, I mean, you're either, it's either a born alive situation or a partial birth abortion situation, uh, and so you've got just some. It's it's absolutely gruesome. 
uh, the whole practice of the thing. But uh, that was that was part of what uh, what David was investigating. All of those various uh, violations. So, so why are you representing David? What's the problem? You you would think he's a hero, and and everybody should be happy about this. Well, this is the other thing, you know, so you can imagine when, when the videos came out, he was about, I think, 27 years old and, you know, half the country wanted to canonize him. The other half wanted to string him up uh, because he had gone in and, and really ripped the mask off of uh, big abortion in that industry. So the National Abortion Federation sued him. They actually got an injunction, a prior restraint injunction against him releasing the videos of their two conferences, 2014, 2015. Uh, I can't tell you. I've seen uh, the videos. I can't tell you about those conferences. There's a lot of video. Um, you know, if, if if those videos are allowed to see the light of day, you're going to be uh, scandalized again, and even in different ways. Uh, but uh, then Planned Parenthood sued him, and Planned Parenthood Federation of America. So the big ugly, Cecile Richards and that whole crew, and now of course the, you know, she's gone. Um, you know, they're now suing him too. So they they want to both put him out of business. They want to end his pro life activism. They want injunctions against him. Um, and so that has been a, a is there terrible. a criminal element to this as well? Well, that was the other thing. So we've had to fight off criminal charges in Texas. So we had a district attorney that went wild and charged uh, David with illegal uh, use of a fake ID, which is you know you sit there and go seriously. So that because he was he used it to get into the uh, the Planned Parenthood in Houston, and then uh, but we were able to get those thrown out. Then the California Attorney General it was Kamala Harris, uh, the U.S. Senator now, and now Javier Becerra, who was the House. Uh, uh, minority leader, U.S. House minority leader. And uh, we've got 15 felony counts for illegal undercover taping. No undercover journalist in the history of the state of California has ever been charged with illegal undercover taping, particularly not as felonies. The attorney general has specifically uh, lauded undercover journalists who did the exact same thing as David if they did it in the animal rights context or if they did it in the consumer protection context. Excuse me. Aren't I thinking back to um, the Pentagon Papers? I mean, isn't this and, – and journalism is protected by First Amendment and how, how does this work? I don't Well, it, it, it was interesting. So we've, we've got this – the injunction against the showing of some of the videos, uh, it has – it's gone up on appeal, and, the, and the, the the trial judge said, "Well, you know, this is a very unique case, and we're sitting here going, right? It, it, the reason no one else has ever done this is because you can't. You're not supposed to. Not consistent with the First Amendment. And it's it's not just his right to release, but your right to receive as a member of the public." You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker with the firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with Peter Breen. We're talking about uh, a recent national case uh, with dimensions. For First Amendment, for right to life, and threatening um, the very abortion industry that uh, the pro-life movement has been protesting against for years. Peter, tell us more. So where are we with that case? Well, I, you know, this is uh, – I, I, was, I was just sharing with you, uh, you know, off the air that we're trying to schedule 35 depositions over the next six and a half weeks of, of uh, you know, leading Planned Parenthood officials and other abortion officials. Uh, we, we're, we're on a very short time frame. So in the civil cases, we are set to go to trial in September. In the criminal case, uh, we were, we've been in front of, a, of the state court judge there. We're bouncing back and forth. I mean, really, the other side has used both the criminal process and this federal civil process uh, as a vice grip to try to to squeeze us uh, into submission, and uh, and so we're in we're in federal or we're in the federal state uh, the federal civil court. We're in the state court for the felony uh, proceedings. We're going to go to a public hearing on April twenty second, and right now the judge has said, "I'm going to allow you to show the videos that are relevant to the public who are sitting there in the courtroom." But I'm going to seal them in the court record. 
and I'm not going to let you use the names of the people that are testifying on the stand, the people that have that are the complaining witnesses. And I'll tell you, the complaining witnesses are some of the leading figures in the abortion industry. If I mentioned your, their names, you would know them. But I have to call them Doe, and I can't tell you their names uh, because of this uh, the order from the uh, the judge in the criminal case. So it, 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 every rule that you're taught in law school about public trials, the right of the people, you know, under the First Amendment, all of these things. They've all been put on their head because it's an abortion case. And so that's where we are. Uh, uh, Peter, you say that. And, and ever since Roe v. Wade, I've been amazed at how, and even before Roe v. Wade with, with some of the right of privacy cases, when it comes to abortion, we bend the rules. But I think that actually it has a tremendously detrimental effect against the rule of law, not just for abortion, but for all legal proceedings. It, it just is like twisting our rule of law, and in this case, there is no rule of law because because this is progressive and we have to do it. What's it, your view on that? Well, and, you know, we're in San Francisco and we are very aware that we are in San Francisco with every one of these legal proceedings. Uh, you know, you go in with a, you know, a group of folks that have a particular view on life and um, – uh, and usually, you know, for the, the, the prevailing winds in San Francisco are very much against uh, uh, the dignity and sanctity of life. So we, you know, for, as a lawyer, it is disheartening to see because we, we're trained that, hey, the rule of law is the foundation of civilization, of society. We, we you know, what are we supposed to do? And it, as a former legislator, uh, I, I, you know, that that was what I really hung hung tight to and watching it get twisted just because uh, of the subject matter. It. It, it is frankly difficult. It's difficult to keep your faith in in this system. And I understand why so many people, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, are skeptical of the legal system right now, whether it's in dealing with uh, the issues in Washington, D.C. with uh, the president. And, I mean, a variety of, of issues, whether, you know, whether it's a shooting Laquan McDonald uh, here in Chicago. Uh, people, people are skeptical of the entire thing. They are cynical about the entire thing. And so they can't trust uh, when, when someone says, well, it's this way, you know, a pers person in authority who's supposed to know and supposed to be in our best interest. So it, it, it hurts us across the board. Peter, we're running out of time. And I'm listening to the amount of litigation taking place in federal court, there's state court, more than one state. And you've got to have resources to be able to fight. So tell us a little bit about Thomas Moore, how people might get involved in helping the fight. Sure. You can go to thomasmoresociety.org and more is with one O. I'll tell you, this is these are two or three of our 80 cases pending right now. So we are challenging uh, abortion laws across the country, defending sidewalk advocates across the country uh, that you just, you know, we could have show after show about each of our clients. Um, so we very and much that's appreciate that's not all, by the way. There's many other uh, First Amendment constitutional rights that Thomas More is protecting. Right. All right. So um, give that one more time. Okay. ThomasMoreSociety.org. And you can come, uh, you know, like our Facebook page and you'll get a lot of updates there that are very timely and relevant uh, to our cases and to the pro-life movement. I would imagine you also have a newsletter. Am I right? Right. Uh, email newsletter. So uh, ThomasMoreSociety.org. You can sign up for that and, uh, and contribute as well if you're able. Uh, Peter, thanks for being in uh, here with us today. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for serving in the Illinois uh, House. I'm Rich Baker. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Rich Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Don't have to save somebody. 
Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. 